We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Parkinson Spiegel Show flashback. 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 Take a look right now at the Chicago offense. Tariq Cohen is in the backfield. Well, they call him the human joystick for a reason. There's Cohen. Burton to Cohen, looking to throw it. And he's got the touchdown! Burton again, another Chicago special. <laughs> Except he's not throwing it. He became the initiator. Off of the handoff, the toss to Cohen. The Bears have won it. They go last to first, and they win. The NFC North 2018 Division Champions. When I heard there was a guy in the NFL Sims named Tariq Cohen, yes. I said, Mwah, uh. we've got ourselves finally a Jewish running back. And then I found out you're not Jewish. No. Sadly, no. I give you a Chicago Bears yarmulke. A Jewish fitted cap. A Jewish fitted cap. Here's the punt by Hoff Richter. Cohen, fair catch and brought down to the ground, back around the 37-yard oh. line. Mingo. Oh. Cohen may be hurt on this play. Cohen hopping off on one foot in uh, considerable pain. Now Cohen needs uh, help getting to the sidelines. I love the guy. He's all that you can ask for in a teammate. You know, he's the energy when we need it. He's the focus when you want it. He is just a, uh, he's our guy. And then he tore his Achilles when he was working out, recovering from the knee injury. He sustained his injury on a punt return down, down in Atlanta. So I always selfishly felt responsible for that. The Bears cut Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen is in game shape. Sure. Officially signed and part of the Carolina Panthers, the human joystick. He's been through a lot. Just what he means, what he meant to us there, and what he means just to me as a person, and uh, the way he's worked and, and, and fought to get back to where he's at now, I think it's pretty incredible. Welcome the Parkinson Spiegel Show, afternoons on the score. One of the easiest bears to root for in the last decade plus. Incredibly entertaining on the field, incredibly likable off it. Always vulnerable and honest. We are thrilled to welcome to the Parkinson Spiegel Show on the hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois, Tariq Cohen. Tariq, thank you so much for the time, man. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, we got you. We we got we got you loud and clear. Um, okay, sounds good. Sounds yeah, good. man. I thought of you the other day, Tariq, as I was watching the Pro Bowl games. I don't know if you saw any of that, but they had this goofy thing for best catch they're doing now. And David Njoku was doing a somersault into a pool and trying to catch a pass at the same time. And he he couldn't do it. It was like four attempts and he couldn't do it. And I was like, I know, I know a guy who could do that. I saw video of him doing it, backflips and catching a ball. You still you still got those kind of hops right now? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Uh that was really one of the first things that I uh experimented with. When I uh, when I jumped on this journey to come back to playing football, I went outside. I was like, I just want to know if I can still do a backflip. Uh, I feel like that's where that's where my athleticism starts at is doing backflips. So I went out there, did a backflip. I was scared on the first one, and I almost over rotated because I jumped so hard to like compensate to make sure everything was good to make sure I get that turn. And I almost over rotated, landed on my butt. 
So it went good, though, and then I did another one, and it was perfect. So I was like, okay, let's start this journey and try to get back on the NFL roster. That's amazing. And we want to get back to the present day, and now you're still trying to make that comeback to the NFL. But what caught our attention was uh, on Instagram, you said that you're basically trying to pitch your life story as a movie. What's the goal here? What, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Oh, uh, yeah. So it really started off with the Players' Tribune uh, letter. So first I had seen uh, David, uh, I forgot his name. It was a receiver for the uh, Seahawks. I was watching his highlights uh, on the year that I was out of football. And then he was just saying how he wrote a letter to himself to reflect. And I thought about doing it, so I did it. And then uh, I really liked how it came out. So then uh, I talked to some people about it, and they was like, no, this is really good. Like, you should give this to the Players' Tribune. They, like, do stuff like this with players all the time. So I gave it to them. They remixed it a little bit. And then uh, we put it out, and it gained so much traction. And uh, really, I like it for the, for the kids. Like, it was a lot of kids that was like, uh, it meant a lot to them for me to be that vulnerable and for me to share my story with them. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, that, this wasn't even, like, the whole story. Like, this is a bunch of bad things that happened recently that I just wanted everybody to know about. But uh, I could also share the good things mixed with the bad things, and I'm sure it would be, like, a great movie. You know, like, one of those – if I if I fix the ending and correct the ending and get back in the NFL and do some great things there – I can have a storybook ending and, uh, you know, really, you know, do something good on that level outside of football. I was wondering, in your mind, the ending of this story is not yet written, correct? Oh, yeah, it, it definitely. As long as I'm breathing, the story can't be over. But I feel like in a, in a, for a movie's sake, there's a point where you can wrap up the movie. Just like in Blindside, you know, he wrapped up the movie and uh, he still was writing the rest of his life. Still had a whole another, a whole bunch of chapters left to go in his life. So I feel like you know, I can do some of the same things. You know, Bears fans who are listening um, and remembering fondly uh, your accomplishments and, and your run with the Bears before the injuries might not know the full story. Um, is, can you can you give us, can you pitch us what the, what the movie would be and, yeah. and, and include the details of your story as, as you see fit? And we'll we'll pretend we're Hollywood producers, Tariq. I'm going to sit here and yeah. gonna take some notes. I'm going to you know, think about who I would cast and all that. But it, it's, your, you. <laughs> it's your dime, your dance floor, your floor here. Pitch us on the movie of your life, sir. I got you. So it, it would basically start off, you know, uh, single, single parent, my mom in the household, uh, three boys. She's raising three boys on her own, moving around place to place. Some summers we might not even stay with her. We might stay with my grandma while she's out in a whole nother city trying to make a life for us, you know, for the better our everything, just to better our life. And then uh, growing up, going from elementary school to elementary school, I went through five, six different elementary schools from kindergarten through sixth through fifth grade. And then finally settled down in a little town called Lewisburg, North Carolina. Go to middle school and high school there. Even throughout, you know, the financial hardships we had still made it happen to get a scholarship uh to one college uh, hbcu didn't even know what hbcu was at the time then you know i make it to college uh that's where the rift between me and my family happens uh kind of fall out of contact with my mom fall out of contact with my brothers wasn't seeing them as much as i should should have been wasn't going home at all but it was the sacrifice in order to make it to the nfl so i was okay with it at the time so then uh senior year comes around Skip a little minor details that happened, you know, throughout college. But senior year comes around. I got a great chance to go to the NFL. Still not secure in the thought that I'm getting drafted. Was scared of it because uh, my teammate, who was my best friend the past year, uh, thought he was going to get drafted, didn't get drafted, and it broke his heart. And uh, I didn't want to go through the same heartbreak. So I was just 
keeping myself humble. Then I finally get drafted. You know, it's just an amazing feeling. I feel like I made it. You know, you feel like you're at the mountaintop. If anybody has felt that feeling before, you just feel like nothing, in, like if there's nothing ever going to go wrong in your life again, especially when money is involved. You feel like money is the cure of everything. But in reality, you know, money brought the problems that I couldn't solve with money. So that was the worst thing that could have happened to me. I kind of feel like in that, in like, so, so to say, but moving on, uh, I'm in the league. The real problems start to hit. Uh, I have a great first and second year. I'm still feeling on top of the world. I make the Pro Bowl. I'm all pro. We went to the playoffs. Uh, Could have won the game if it wasn't for the double joint. <laughs> and then it was, uh, then that's kind of, you know, life just sets in. Uh, didn't have a great 2019 season. Trouble back home. My little brother gets shot in the head. He uh, is paralyzed from the waist down. I get the call on my way to do an E60 interview on my life about my upbringing. So I'm talking about my brothers in the, in the interview on E60 in front of Michelle Tafoya, trying my hardest not to break a, break a tear and just boo-hoo cry because, you know, what I know is going on back home. Ended the interview, didn't tell them at all what just happened. Uh, hopped on the first private jet to North Carolina. Get in the hospital room. I see my brother on all tubes and wires. Uh, break, I couldn't even enter the room. I step in the hallway. Well, I stayed in the hallway, talked to the doctor, asked him, you know, what's going on? Like, is he going to live? Doctor, like, yeah, he's going to live, but I, I don't think he's ever going to walk again. It's just like a, like, I feel like I got shot in my head too. Like, it was just a crazy feeling. I never felt nothing like that before. My twin brother standing right there with me, just looking in his eyes, seeing the pain in his eyes. It's matching exactly the pain in mine. So it's, it's like times two, the pain. So that happens. 2019, I have the worst season of my career so far out of those three years. Three years. Social media picks up. Uh, he's too small. Uh, he's horrible. You know, all the stuff that comes with being in the NFL, being a high-profile celebrity, so to say, or name notable. Uh, then the next year, 2020, first three games going decent, have a, sort of a bounce back in, compared to the first three games last year to this year, 2020. Get to the next, uh, the third game, I get a contract extension. Once again, financial problems getting solved, but life problems adding up again. Uh, the next game, I tear my ACL. First injury I've ever had, major injury, had me out for, you know, more than one game. My first five years in the league, I didn't miss a single game at all. And uh, people were trying to say I wasn't durable because I tore my ACL. Yeah. So um, I started really getting into, you know, looking at social media, with all the free time I had while I was rehabbing my, my injury. And it just really got in my mind, affected me, you know, emotionally, just reading all the things people say about you. But I was still, you know, looking at things on the brighter side. Next thing that happens is my twin brother dies while I'm still injured. So I just feel like the world's collapsing on me. Even though I have money, the money can't do anything. Like, it can't solve any of the problems. I want my little brother to walk, and I want my, older, my twin brother to be alive. And money can't do anything to help me with either one of those things. So then I try to get back into football. I feel like, you know, that's what my twin brother would have wanted. And I talked to my little brother and uh, he really wanted me to get back in it. So begin to work out, you know, move back to North Carolina, try to get back on the grind after getting cut from the Chicago Bears, which wasn't bad. I knew it was going to happen. It was a business. When they let Khalil Mack go, I just knew I was going to go. Next. I just knew it. Yeah. They, they let Khalil Mack go then. I know I don't have much time left around here. So I already knew that was coming. So then, uh, you know, I go back to North Carolina. I'm just working out, working out. And the first day that I've ran full speed in two years, I'm feeling great. 
doing drills. I did the first drill flawlessly. Mind you, I was overweight because I'd never been that, that heavy before, not being on the run two, for two years. So then I'm overweight, but I'm feeling good that day. I'm running, everything's feeling good. So I set my phone up, thinking that I'm finally getting over the hill. Set my phone up, let the world see. You know, because I'm thinking about all the naysayers. I just want to show them, like, yeah, I'm still, I'm still at it. Like, I still got it. Set my phone up. First rep on Instagram Live, not even on two minutes. I do a drill, backpedaling, backpedaling, sprint forward, and I pop my Achilles. I thought it was somebody behind me. I thought I stepped on somebody's foot. That's what it felt like. It was no pain. It was just a numb, tingly feeling. And I look back, and there's no one there. As soon as I seen there was no one behind me, I already knew what it was. Mm -hmm. I knew what injury I had had. The first thing in my head is thinking about the rehab time. I'm like, okay, KD went through this. Klay Thompson went through this. Kobe went through this. And their rehab was like six months. First thing in my head, six months. I'm like, I'm out another six months. And I'm already weighing my options. I'm like, well, I've just been out two years. Six months, really not going to do too much to me. Like, I just took it to the chin. Like, I'm like, my brother died. And one of my brothers in the wheelchair. I'm just taking things to the chin at this point comparatively to like when my, when my brother died. Like, it's the worst thing that could ever happen in my life, I felt like. So I feel like I just compare everything that happened to me against that. And I was just taking everything that came with it. So just rehabbing that. That was the most easiest rehab, though. It was just calf raises every day. It was so simple. You just do calf raises. The mental part is kind of harder because you really think you're going to tear it again anytime you plant. But physically, it was it was easy. So then, you know, while I'm rehabbing my, my Achilles, I spend a lot of time with my little brother, you know, calling him, showing him that I'm rehabbing, showing him that my knee is good now and it's just I'm working on Achilles. Then uh, one late night, I just get a phone call that he done that he that he was in a car accident. My mom called me, and he was in a car accident. They was on the scene, and then she couldn't talk, so she handed the phone to her her husband, her fiance right now. And I, I asked him, I'm like, just look, just shoot me straight, bro. Like, just shoot me straight. I done, in my mind, I'm like, I done been through a lot already. Just shoot me straight. What what it, what it looked like? He was like, I don't know. I don't think he gonna make it. Like it looked bad. I don't think he. I don't think he here no more. And I just lost it. Like, it was just being like, it's like deflated, like a tire going flat, a balloon getting popped. Like, I just lost it. Like, I didn't want to play football no more. I didn't want to, like, I, I, I didn't, the only reason I wanted to still be alive was because of my son. That's the only reason I still wanted to be alive. Other than that, I was like, dang, like, the people that I did this for, the people that I grew up with, the people that I can call, you know, when it's, there's, there's stuff you're shy to talk about with anybody else, the people that you have no ego talking to, like, they're not here anymore. Like, Two people that, that I want to talk to, they're not here anymore. Like, why am I here? But my son was the only light. Like, he was the only light. So then, you know, I just stayed in North Carolina for a long time. And I just thought about re uh, retiring. I actually was retired already. In my mind, I was retired. Like, it was it was no way I was coming back to football. And then uh, I was just outside running with my son, just running around, you know, making little cuts and stuff. And I'm like, dang, like, he never going to be able to see me play football. But I'm like, shit, he going to have highlights. So he'll see the highlights. That'd probably be better anyway. Watch the holidays, <laughs> not not see low lights. So then I'm I'm just running around and I'm casually like feeling like, okay, like I'm feeling better. Like my Achilles, even though I wasn't rehabbing as hard as I would be if I was trying to come back to the NFL, I'm like, well, this is feeling like this is feeling good. Then I told you I tried them backflips, tried those backflips, and that's what sealed the deal. When I tried the backflips, I was like, man, I'm doing this shit. I don't care. <laughs> like I'm 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 I know I watched football. I watched that was my first time, in maybe like seven years watching the whole season from home. So I'm watching games. I'm like, I know I'm better than him. I know I would have caught that pass. I know I would have made that guy miss. I know I would have seen this coming, like, mentally. So I'm like, I got to try it again. I know I still got a lot left in the tank. 
So I was working out. I maybe worked out like I told my agent, if I'm not playing for the Panthers, I don't want to play for nobody because I wanted to stay home near my family. So then uh, he was like, it's hard. It's hard to re- you don't know if you can just call your shot like that. Not many people can just call their shot like that. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not really calling my shot. Like, I'm going to work. I'm going to work for this. Like, I'm gonna, I'm on a grind. I had like three weeks to get ready. And the Panthers said they will work me out for the first. Well, they, at first they said they, they, they didn't reach back. They didn't reach back out. And then uh, Adam Schefter posted a tweet and said, Tariq Cohen's coming back to play football. And we had like five other teams interested. And then the Panthers came back around. and was like, okay, we'll work you out the second week. So then the second week I worked out, I went in there and killed it. I killed the workout. Like, I ran receiver routes. I ran running back uh, plays. I did everything Coach Deuce Staley wanted me to do. And then he was talking a little trash to me at the end. It was like, you don't still got the backflip in you. I just cranked out a backflip right there. Boom. <laughs> Knocked it out. So then uh, uh, I get I get signed to the team uh, on a practice squad. It was kind of like a – it was kind of embarrassing, for real. i never been on nothing like practice squad. In college, I was a true freshman starting. You know, I've I never been on nothing like practice squad since, like, JV, my freshman year of high school. So I was embarrassed. So I just uh, took it to the chin again. And uh, just grind it slowly, you know, because I wasn't back yet. I wasn't all the way in football shape. And I didn't even know that at first. I thought I was back. I thought I was ready until I went through that damn workout. Coach Deuce killed me. I was so tired. And then uh, I got to practicing, watch film, and I wasn't looking like myself. But over the weeks, I started looking more and more like myself. Uh, I started feeling more like myself, started, you know, seeing football again. And uh, I started feeling good, started making plays out there. Then I tweaked my hammy like twice, and it sat me down for the rest of the year. But I made a big impact on the Panthers, and they seen, you know, the upside, the ceiling with low risk. You know, if I get hurt, it's not like they're wasting money on me. So they see the ceiling that I can have, and they signed me back to a futures a futures contract. So I'm looking forward to, you know, working out this camp and getting on that field this next year coming up. Wow. That is it, an amazing – That's the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is an amazing story uh, with former Bear Tariq Cohen. I mean, you didn't really leave much out – Tariq and it's it is the stuff of movies and it's already been a success yeah. for your for your son and all that I, I'm wondering do you think about some of those inflection moments of you got that contract and then got hurt the next week it could have been in a different order yeah you know like yeah what what, what happens if you get hurt before you get that deal from the Bears? Yeah, I tend I tend to look at things like in a different light like, uh, not even a, that's like a financial view on it. Cause that's what a lot of people were saying to me when I got hurt. It was like, Oh my God, bro. It's like, God was looking out for you, bro. Like God was looking out for you. Like you signed a contract. Perfect timing. Signed a contract. Perfect time. My agent. I'm glad we got that deal done for you. Everybody's like, I'm glad you got that deal done. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad too. But like when you get hit with those problems, that's not money related. You can give a shit about the money. Like it doesn't even matter. You, this problem I heard if you was broke or if you're rich, like this, yeah, this is life or death. Like it doesn't even you don't even think that way no more when you realize when you've been through like life and death situations like you don't even think about the finances anymore. Yeah, that's one of the big lessons in the story as as you're talking about it, Tariq, is that because you said it yourself along the way that money did not cure things. It just created mm-hmm. like a new perspective for the for the problems. What 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 other what other lessons do you take uh, out of it? You mentioned wishing that you'd spent more time with yeah. with family is that is that one thing you take away the, the yeah that's the main thing the main thing i would be and the way i would put it is uh it's the what comes with your sacrifice like i sacrificed spending time with my family to make it to the nfl 
And that was the main thing. So, you know, everybody's always say to get to a high level, you have to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But nobody ever thinks about the, the things you sacrifice, like the other side of that spectrum. Like you just think about, okay, I sacrificed this to get to this and I'm happy with this. Mm -hmm. But I sacrificed this to get to this and I'm unhappy with this. So that's what I feel like, you know, is another life lesson that I went through and I, and I found out the hard way. So, so at the end of the movie, what's, what's the shot? Like, have you, have you allowed yourself to think about that moment at the end of the movie? Is it, is it playing in an NFL game for Carolina this year? What, what's, such, what's the end? Yeah, I'm such a competitor. Like, I'm such a competitor. Like, it doesn't matter if I just play in a game. To me, that doesn't, like, suffice. Like, I have to get in that. I have to get in the end zone. And then I feel like when I get in the end zone, I got to get back to where I was at. I got to get all pro and pro bowl. Like, I feel like that's the only thing. Like, I'm such a competitor. Like, not not getting to where I was would, would haunt me. And I, I just can't see it ending no other way than me not getting back to where I was. Even if it's for a, a game or even if it's for a season. If I get there for a season, then I feel like that would be a good ending for life. But for this movie, uh, not necessarily. I, don't, I, I, I think about not having a good ending at all. Hmm. I really might not, you know, have a happy ending in the movie and just have people like check up on me outside the movie because that's probably what they're going to do if it, if it ends bad or if it ends like where my life is right now, it's not too bad. But if it ends right here, it's kind of anticlimactic. But like that might be the end because it's real life. Well, that is real that's life. Like, There's got to be peace in there. There's got to be some yeah. le some lessons like you're talking about and and some wisdom, and and hopefully some peace. Lord Lord knows we wish you that that peace and that happiness. A lot of the listeners weighing in and wishing that same thing for you as well as a comeback. Oh yeah, I appreciate that. And that's what uh, that's what life has taught me. Like you said, it's about the peace. I see peace and I I'm, I'm thankful for the peace that I see every day now. Like seeing my son, my girlfriend. And the family I have right now, like seeing them on a day-to-day -day basis, like I'm thankful for the peace on a day-in, day-out basis. Did you ever, I mean, that you shared in the East, in the uh, not the E60, the Players Tribune piece that when you found out that your brother Dante was shot, that you went looking for the guy that shot him with the gun. Yeah. You ever think about the possibility? Like, there is gratitude in the fact that you are here now for your son. Yeah. This movie could have ended Definitely. a lot sooner. Yeah, and it, it it was just that that was just a you know like a crazy you don't know what to do in the situation so you just doing anything. I didn't even know what the dude looked like. I didn't know what the dude looked like. All I know was a, a red shirt. And that's that's all I knew. So it was kind of impossible for anything to happen in that moment. Okay. But I you know I just felt like I needed to do something and it was like just driving, just going to the scene, just taking my mind off of stuff like damn, this is where it happened at. You know, I'm I'm knowing that the guy's not going to be there where it happened at if he just did this. Like, so it was just like I didn't know what to do. I'm just trying to do anything. So it was just a, a scramble at that moment. How's your son doing? Oh, he's doing good. He might start talking soon. A lot of minion talk right now, but <laughs> I'm waiting for him to start talking so we can learn these coverages. He's gonna be a quarterback. Yeah, smart, <laughs> smart. <laughs> yeah, they get they they do well. They, they do well. Tariq, keep being vulnerable, keep being real and open. It it helps people. I know you heard it after the Players Tribune piece, and you'll you'll hear it after this too. And everybody's wishing you the best, man. Oh yeah, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate y'all having me on here too. Is there any any other questions y'all got for me? I'm like you said, I'm vulnerable. I'm open to any questions. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. What did it feel like when Cody Parkey went on the the Today Show after the double doink? <laughs> That's a good question. Oh yeah, that was that was salt on the moon. For sure. That was salt on the wound. I wasn't mad at him for missing the kick. You know, I done fumbled the ball before. 
So I can't you, anything between the lines. I'm not gonna be too mad about. Like I was mad that we didn't win. Yeah, I was mad that I didn't get the ball but three times in the first half. <laughs> but it, it wasn't like necessarily uh, mad at him until he like made it about him. Then I was like, come on now, like if we would have won, we wouldn't have won as a we would have won as a team. And if we lost, we lose as a team. So mm-hmm. don't try to like. You don't take credit for the loss and then want the sympathy. You feel me? That's how I feel like. No, of course. Did did, uh, did Matt Nagy adjust the offense enough, or did he just try to do what he wanted to do too much as a coach? I love Coach Nagy. I I, I feel like he's a better OC than he is a head coach. Uh, the scheme under him, I feel like he was trying to when, when we were bad. I just feel like he was trying to make everybody happy. You know, everybody wants the ball, so I feel like he was trying to make every everybody happy. He's trying to sprinkle it to me. Sprinkling to A-Rob, Anthony Miller, you know, Jordan Howard, David Montgomery. It's, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that. You know, you got to have a, a true identity. When thing when you're back against the wall, you have one true identity. So I feel like that's what we, we all messed up at. Yeah, there's a lot of what-ifs uh, from that yeah. time in, in, in Bears history. I know you know that very well. Well, Tariq, we'd love to talk more football with you. We'd love to follow up with you on the, on the life story. But we, we do got to run right now. We appreciate all your time and your vulnerability. But we'd love to have you back on again, man. Thank you. Oh, yeah, man. Anytime. Thank y'all for letting me come up here. You know, I appreciate all the listeners out there, too, as well. All right. Bears fans are rooting for you, man. Be well. Yes, sir. All right. That's Tariq Cohen. Wow. That's a hell of a story, man. Yeah, yeah, it is. And he certainly knows how to tell it. That is a uh, a life of triumph and tragedy. It's way too much tragedy. Let's send it to all of our Hollywood people, starting with Bill Fickner. Bill Fickner. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You could play the agent or something. The owner of the team. You could play the owner of the team that gives him the shot. All right. How we do it? Screeching halt, dramatic right turn. Kyle Turley and Jim McMahon are running for president because of weed. Because of weed. (laughs) They join us next on the score. Kyle Turley Uh and Jim McMahon. You had me at Kyle Turley. And a crowd here at the Superdome, loud, celebrating, knowing that the Saints are going to postseason. The offensive line for the New Orleans Saints. Kyle Turley, a good one at right tackle. You know, Sam, ever since they sent Kyle Turley to anger management, I think the whole team got a little softer. Really got me at Jim McMahon. Moorhead, one of the tight ends in motion. Perry, what drives through, and following behind is McMahon for the touchdown. It almost looked like an option play, and there you see McMahon head-butting with his offensive line early in the year. He had done some of that and then showed up one day with a with a back problem. Ditka said he thought it was from the headbutts. He said, I don't want you guys doing that anymore. I think McMahon said, hey, this is a Super Bowl. We're going to butt those heads. Hungry Chicago, finally champions on this January day in New Orleans. They will be coming on the show to announce their candidacy uh-huh. for president of the United States. The Cannabis Freedom Party. Jim McMahon is only going to answer in one-word answers written on a headband. So it's going to be a visual kind of Q&A. And well, they will be on Zoom. To, tune to the Twitch. Yeah, they, they, they will be on video tomorrow. Perfect. Okay. Well, I'd like to hear about it, potheads. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Afternoons on The Score. Well, if nothing else... <laughs> That intro makes me really happy. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. And a little Misty Mountain hop on the back end. Yeah. Damn Skippy. If nothing else. That was amazing. All right. Joining us now, Punky QB, running for president, Jim McMahon. 
the Cannabis Freedom Party. He's on the hotline presented by Circa Sports Illinois. Hello, Mr. President-to-be. Hey, how you guys doing back there? Staying warm? Yes, we not, are staying warm. It's not bad today. It's not It's not bad. Thank you. Thank you. It's probably, it's probably nicer where you are. Uh, it's a little chilly and rainy here. Hopefully it'll clear up by our tournament on thir- uh, Friday. Oh, we, we we golf on Friday. What's the what's the tournament? Yeah, we've got a big uh, golf event for uh, Gridiron Greats, Mike nice. Dickus Charity, and uh, it's going to be cannabis friendly. So we're going to have a lot of fun out there. <laughs> Most golf courses are cannabis friendly. Uh, so how, how did you how did you get the top of the ticket? How 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 did we get to be the Jim McMahon could be president of these here United States? Well, Kyle wanted me to be president because he he thinks I'm going to take a bullet, so he's going to move right in. Perfect. You know, we're we're just trying. You know, we got to get rid of this two party system. Nobody nobody has any confidence in it anymore, uh, and we're basically trying to get more publicity for our our company, Revenant. Uh, you know what it's done for us. It's kept us alive. It's making us you know live live better lives since we got off all our pain pills and all the other stuff they used to give us. Uh, we have a lot more clarity and, and, uh, we're enjoying life a hell of a lot more. Well, see, we're both genuinely passionate about this, Jim, me, I'm Matt Spiegel and my little buddy here, Danny Parkins. We're both very passionate about marijuana instead of all those pain pills and all that stuff. The NFL allowed you guys to get on. So Revenant is the company. How has the quality of your life improved? Um, now that you've, uh, you've embraced the freedom uh, amidst the cannabis freedom party, sir. Well, it's you know when you're when you're taking these these painkillers and all the other pills that they give you, they do nothing but mask pain. They don't they don't help your body at all. You know we all have a, an endocannabinoid system in our bodies. Uh, cannabis is still the uh, cannabinoids are still the only patented neuroprotectant on the planet. Um, you know why why these guys aren't able to use what actually helps and heals their body rather than something that just masks pain and actually kills people. You know, Cannabis hasn't killed anybody. There's no, I, no, no question. And I'm all for anything that breaks down the stigma of it. You know what I mean? The, the, the stigma is, oh, you smoke pot, you're not a functioning member of society. There's a lot of functioning members of society, like the three people having this phone conversation right now. There's, there's no doubt about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to, to think more clearly. I'm able to remember things. You know, I can still remember stuff that happened 30 years ago. I'm still struggling with, with uh, short-term memory. But I'm, uh, you know, my my body feels a hell of a lot better. My mind's a lot clearer, and I'm definitely I can function a lot better, you know, when I'm when I'm using cannabis. That that is that is awesome to hear. What is your delivery system of choice, uh, Jim McMahon? How, how do you intake it, sir? Well, I'm old school. I still love the smell of it. I love taste of it. So I I, I, I enjoy smoking it. But I I, I do uh, I do gummies as well. I do tinctures. You know, any any type any part of the plant that I can use, I use. <laughs> nice. I've got some balm on my shoulder right now as we speak. So a little THC balm. It's a, it's extremely helpful for body pain. Do you use it like uh, that? Oh yeah. I actually sent uh, I sent a, a topical to my my folks. My mom has a real bad back. My dad had his knee replaced a few years back. So I sent him this to put on his leg, and he says, "Oh, I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to get high." I said, "You won't get high put rubbing it on your knee." <laughs> and he used it. He used it for a couple of weeks. He called me and says, "Hey, you got any more of that weed stuff? My knee feels great." And I said, "I told you. I said it's a medicinal herb. It's not a drug." 
We've just been lied to by the government for over 100 years about it. They've had a patent on it for over 100 years. Mm -hmm. They know how good it is. It used to be prescribed. It was the number one prescribed uh, medication back in the, up until I think it was 1934 when Big, big Pharma kind of took over the country. Wow. So have you gotten high at the White House before, Jim McMahon, or do you need to be elected president? Well, I know that Willie Nelson smoked on the White House roof. I tried to get up there when I was with the Packers, and then we finally went with the Bears, but they wouldn't let me up on the roof. Mm. Wow, that is... But, yes, if, if, if we get in, it's definitely going to... You'll see a smoke cloud above it. <laughs> that, yeah. that is some legendary stuff for Willie Nelson. Wow. I mean, honestly, he might have my vote, guys. This is Illinois. Well... Let's it, be honest. Let's investigate... <laughs> I've heard worse ideas. Let's, let's investigate a little further. Could you... Well, could I you... know I'm more coherent with it than what the guy that is in charge now, so... <laughs> There it is. Jim McMahon sounding very coherent, as a matter of fact, right now. Could you tell us uh, more about the platform of the Cannabis Freedom Party? Is there, what are some of your, your major principles what that we can think are we about? changing? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're the, the Safe Banking Act, um, uh, re- rescheduling it down to Schedule 3. I mean, it shouldn't even be on the schedule anyway because it's not a drug. It's a medicinal plant. But, uh, you know. They got to they got to put you in a category somehow. So we're trying to get you know the the banking, the re, rescheduling. Uh, oh dang, there's five or six bullet points. They always tell me to talk about, and I always forget them. I need yeah, to carry you're, around you're, that little list in my pocket. Yeah. Now you're ready to run for office. Yeah, Biden carries a list <laughs> around. Yeah. Stuff. Joe Biden carries a list around too. It's okay. You know, I have talking yeah, points. I need, I need my, my 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 vice president has been pushing me around in his wheelchair all day. He's, <laughs> He's good at this. He's been up to. He spoke in front of Congress. I mean, he was just up at the New Hampshire, uh, New Hampshire primaries uh, with Nikki Haley and, and a few other people. And so, uh, yeah, we're get, we're getting our our voices heard, and that's what we need. We're talking to Jim McMahon here. He's running for president with uh, with Kyle Turley. Jim, what would it mean to you if tomorrow your former teammate Steve Mongo McMichael got into the Hall of Fame? Well, it's long overdue and greatly deserved. I mean, he was a hell of a football player. His, his statistics prove that. Uh, but being a teammate, he was an even better teammate. He, just, he was just a great person. He still is a great person. I, I can't believe he's still hanging in the way he's, uh, he's shriveled up. The last time I saw him, he probably weighed about 150 pounds. And anybody who knew Mongo, that, that is not a good look for him. I mean, he's, he's, but he's a fighter. He's always been a fighter. And, and uh, hopefully the, the great news will come tomorrow. Have you guys, uh, as a team, kind of stayed in touch about it a, a little bit? I know some have been able to visit, some have not. And it's, uh, as you say, it's remarkable that he continues to fight the way that he does. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's tough for me, so I'm sure it's tough for all my other teammates to, to see him in that condition. I mean, it's just uh, it's, it's heartbreaking, man. Because you know what a big, strong, tough guy he was. And just to see him just, you know, laying there, not being able to uh, – communicate i think he's communicating more now with a with a computer but uh the last time i saw him he it was just uh it's just hard to hard to deal with man because he was he was was bigger than life and now he's he's a mere shell of himself but he's still fighting hanging on and that's and that's what we're going to remember it's one of the legendary personalities in chicago sports without a doubt so many of your teammates have have had struggles i wonder if you consider yourself fortunate by comparison, Jim, I mean, I know you went through a lot, but you sound great right now. Well, I'm sure a lot of those guys thought I'd be the one be, be in the bed like that. But, uh, no, and I attribute a lot of that to the cannabis. You know, it got me off all the pills that were actually killing me. 
they do nothing for the body but mass pain, whereas cannabis actually heals from within. And, uh, you know, I, I feel better. You know, my, my mind's much clearer, and I can function. So that, and that's basically all we want to do, be able to function in life, have a, have a good quality of life when, we're, when you're finished. That, that's the realness of this, right? Like some of your teammates who kept taking pills after pills after pills, eventually it all piles up on the system, and you think it, it contributes to guys getting dragged down even further into health issues? Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, like I said, they do nothing but mass pain. They don't help you at all, and they've been known to be addictive and known to kill you, hmm. whereas cannabis has never killed anybody. Well, Jim McMahon, you've made a hell of a case, and I would like to see you and Kyle Turley on that debate stage as we approach November. That'd be great. Yeah, we, I, I would love to be able to debate the, whatever, whatever they call them these days. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you, uh, what would your dress code be? Would you go with the headband? And what would the headband say oh, good at, at the debate, Jim? It would probably say cannabis. <laughs> as it should. Yeah. As it should. It's the obvious heal answer. All with, heal all with cannabis. <laughs> so. My goodness. All right. Well, Jim, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy Vegas. Enjoy the golf tournament. Enjoy the weed. And we'll talk to you down the road. Okay, guys. Take care. All right. Thank you. It's Man. Jim McMahon. You know, it, there, there's, there's some realness in there about oh, the you, whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some not. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> but there's some realness. But that, I'm, no, of course. I'm of thinking course. of some very specific members of that of that team that had a lot of issues and have 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 had pills as a, a big component in their lives for a long time. And well, I mean, and I mean, CTE and absolutely. suicide. I mean, Dave Duerson, right? Yes. I mean, you know, so I mean, there's yeah, that team has seen and that era has seen. The best and worst of what football fame and fortune can provide. And he's 100% right that a lot of the teammates would have guessed that McMahon was going to be the one who, at this point in his life, was unable to function. And here he is on Radio Row holding his own on a phone interview, all of it. Getting ready to play golf and yep. cracking jokes and being aware. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, obviously, you know I'm with him on the uh, the legalization and the destigmatization of marijuana. This is the kind of There's show. There's a lot going on here. A lot going on, yeah, I Danny. Agree. I agree. You read my mind, buddy. We'll Candlesticks re- make it nice. Yeah. <laughs> we'll recap. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Parkinson and Spiegel show flashback. 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 I want you to meet my uh, my little buddy, Danny Parkins. Well, see, we're both genuinely passionate about this, Jim. Me, uh, Matt Spiegel, and my little buddy here, Danny Parkins. We're both very passionate. Woo! <laughs> Had to. Had yeah, to. well played, well played, well played. I thought about what would be the anti little buddy. My enormous nemesis. Compatriot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My enormous nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> but just had to double down on little buddy. You're everybody's little buddy. I guess so. I guess Could so. Could be worse. No, I'll take it. I'll take it. Jim McMahon knows me as the little buddy of the score. That's just fine. If he remembers. That's what I'm saying. He's, he brought up the short-term memory yeah, Something tells me he didn't get the joke. Seriously, though, like, <laughs> he sounds lucid. He does. Do you think it was a bit him forgetting his, his, his platforms? No. I think that's Kyle's gig. Okay. When, when they do the doubles, okay. he yeah. just sits down. He's the personality. Kyle's personality, too. But then Kyle has the card with all the things on it. Yeah, Kyle's, like, like, like you said, he's actually testified in front of Congress. Like, he's a little bit more of, a, of an activist. Yes. Jim McMahon is more of a 
outlandish personality. And he's happily on board. Speaking of outlandish personality, if he's not walking around Radio Row with a headband that says cannabis, then they're doing their job wrong. It's a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity. I mean, he, he was on the – we saw him on the video before the video feed was not really working on their Radio Row end. He did not have a headband on. I mean, that's that, – every day. It should be a headband with a different word. One could be Revenant, which is their company. One could be Cannabis. One yeah. could be Weed. Yes, there are many words for it. <laughs> <laughs> that checks out. Ganja. But that was the whole thing. For any of the younger <laughs> listeners who might not know, Jim McMahon was told that he couldn't wear a headband with his sponsor, with his, the stuff that he liked on yes. it. So then he wore a headband that said Roselle for the former commissioner, Pete Roselle. Yeah, I mean, he's always been a troll. I think we just had to whiteboard that for a lot more people than we realized. Yeah, probably. tomorrow you'll see him on Radio Row walking around the headband saying Devil's Lettuce. There it is. You know, there's yeah. so many other names. <laughs> so many Couldn't things. have fun with me. Wacky yeah. tobacco. What's your favorite? <laughs> uh, we have another big media story in the sports world. Nick Saban, as has been anticipated, will be joining College Game Day in the fall. <laughs> he is the uh, relationship with Pat McAfee as a weekly contributor on his show. He's going to cover uh, the NFL draft and college game day. Yeah, that's a good for, fit. For ESPN. He likes talking. He enjoys talking. He's gotten very much friendlier in recent years. I got to be honest. He is an authority figure on most subjects as it relates to college football. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it checks out. And Fox's show has actually done very well. Their, whatever they call it, Big Noon. Big Saturday or something? Big Saturday leading into Big Noon kickoff because they put their best game at noon. Right. Uh, and so they try to do their pre- their pregame show does very well leading into mm-hmm. their best game of the day. So game day does have legit competition uh, in the space. So them getting Saban is a pretty, pretty big win for them. Uh, textures say the opposite of little buddy is skipper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that I could. I prefer little buddy. <laughs> I prefer. I prefer little buddy. Here's the professor. Yeah, I got- here's got to mention that Texter is 78 years old. Yeah. For some reason. You missed on the other side here. Shane had to ask me, "What does that mean?" Yeah. So I had to whiteboard that reference. Yeah, yeah. like that's so you didn't how- get with the little buddy. Thing no, was- no, because and, I'm and, of age, and most most probably won't. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I got it though. So I was raised bad. by the television. <laughs> <laughs> Great parenting. So I'm an iPad kid. <laughs> Cleaning gutters at seven years old. My kid is home uh, playing video games alone right now. Yeah. Good dad, bad dad. We're going to do that, I think, today. We're going to have some good dad, bad dad time. I keep teetering, no. I, I, I keep teetering towards bad dad. It's okay. It's the vulnerability that counts. As life like goes in on. every prompt. Every time we play it. It turns out you're bad dad. <laughs> it, goes, it gets pretty. It's pretty easy game. Spoiler alert, listeners! It's seldom ever good dad. <laughs> yeah, it's never like, hey, I threw a great birthday party yeah. for my kid, and I was super attentive. Hey, let's do a uh, segment about that. Yeah, right. We did conclude that the Slurpee, the movie day Slurpee one, was a good dad. You gave him sugar; they had a good time. Yeah, That's big good pile dad. of sugar. Big yeah. pile of sugar. Right. But letting him run away at the Chicago Marathon. Bad Not dad. Bad. That, was <laughs> bad. that was a bad dad. Bad dad. That time when his test scores were very good, and he got into a great school on a scholarship. Oh, wait, that didn't happen yet. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet, but it's coming from all those video games. <laughs> uh, Shane Waldron is the Bears' new offensive coordinator. Jackson Smith and Jimmy was on his team, and he had quite a moment with the CHGO crew. The video helps, but the audio will translate. We've done a little bit of digging. Uh, we want to get to what it means next on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.